0: This is a teaching message from Church of the Living Water of Austin. I, that, that song was just so, it was so relevant to what the teaching is, right? You know, Jesus, the key to satisfaction. And we've been starting off with, who is Jesus? We said he's king, but you know what? Let me, let me help you out. He's everything. He's everything you could possibly want. He's everything you could possibly need. You know, in this time right now where we have that, uh, the stimulus checks going out, let me tell you something. Jesus is God's stimulus. And, and let me tell you this. He gives you grace. He gives you mercy. He gives you redemption. He gives you forgiveness. He gives you everything you need. And guess what? Don't worry about no prequalifications. But that's just who our merciful God is. All you have to do is to believe. He's your, you know, faith in Christ. He's your justifier. Oh, that's another characteristic of God. He's a just God, and I'm thankful for it, because in his, out of his love, yes, he sent his mercy, but his justice came as well. And then he answered his own justice by sending himself. That's the character of God. From the foundation of the world. And don't get it confused. When I'm talking about God, I'm talking about Jesus. Because if you don't know, Jesus is God. He's the eternal son. He put on flesh. He took a demotion so we could be promoted. That's who Jesus is. And no, he didn't come out with a chip on his shoulder saying, I'm king. He came preaching the gospel of peace. See, that makes him king. Preaching the gospel of peace. Repent. You have time. There's mercy and grace and forgiveness for you. For all those who call upon him. For all those who come to him. The King of peace. The eternal King of peace. That's who he is. The one who brings you peace for eternity. It's not a moment. It's not, it's not, well, it's up and down hills and valleys. No, he walks with you through the hills and valleys. That's peace with you during all those times. He's brought it to you by faith in Christ alone. But that's who he is. And remember what we were saying. What, what makes him king? There was a prophecy of a king. The government shall be upon his shoulders. There's nothing that can be blocked. Nobody can go against the king. His word is final. His word is absolute. There's no cabinet he needs. He doesn't need this vote or this percent of the vote. He's king. See that? That's what I love about him, right? I, I, there's no vote for him. If you need peace, he's bringing you peace. That's who he is. Ushering in, ushering in peace with God. Putting on our sins for us. So that we didn't have to bear it. So that we didn't have to die. Who else is he? He's the righteous one. And what what did we say about righteousness? Righteousness came to work peace in your heart. And we have now... The, the spirit has been poured out upon us we have now become his righteousness in the earth but this is what the Lord has done this is who he is it's not just because he loved me but he loved you you know there's not a person where God is like saying uh, that's a that's a big sin I, I, I don't know if I can forgive you God has love enough to forgive everybody He's not limited. He's not a finite God. That's why he sent himself. That's who he is. God's a finisher. You get it? He's a finisher. So I'm not sending finite man. Not only that, I'm going to pour out my spirit into finite man and then watch me do the impossible. That's who God is. I'm coming for you whether you know you need me or not. I'm coming. The Savior. That's who the King is. The King of Peace. He's here to save you. And all you have to do is believe. All you have to do is repent. For the Kingdom of Heaven is at hand. Like I said, He put on sin nature for us when righteousness and holiness was His nature. And I'm so glad that only He could do it. Because in God's just ways, because righteousness and holiness was his nature, he rose up. He rose up again to go to his next phase for who? For us. As intercessor, Ever interceding, being our mediator on our behalf. When there's an injustice, an injustice done, God can look to Christ and the sprinkle of his blood will purge it. That's who he is. Forever making intercessions on our behalf. Forever keeping us at peace with God. Because we're in him. That's who he is. Uh, Righteousness, peace. You know, the kingdom of God, that's who he is. He brings us joy in the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost, He brings us the ways of Christ. This is all set in motion from the foundation of the world. Knowing He had to die for it, knowing He had people that weren't going to accept it, that weren't going to believe it, He still sent forgiveness their way. That's compassion. Knowing people, listen. I've, I've borne your griefs. I've carried your sorrows. There's nothing you can say or you can do that can, that can pull Jesus' compassion away. No, that's too much, you No, know? There's nothing you can do. A compassionate Savior. You know, the stuff that we frown at, we turn our noses up at. Merciful Savior says, but I want them too. Because that, that's, that's just the thing about it, right? We have to remember, somebody turned their nose up at you at a time but for grace, but for Christ Jesus, who works peace in our hearts through his righteousness. That's who he is. So when when all the people were seeing this man walking around doing miracles and talking about the kingdom of God, when we get to Matthew 5, and he opened his mouth and taught them saying, everybody was listening. Because guess what? Everybody needs eternal peace. (laughs) I'm not talking about what you put on the headstones, rest in peace. No. If you don't have Christ, there will be no rest in peace. That, that That will not be. You can put on there what you want to, but that's just nothing but money spent. Rest and peace are found only in Christ. So we went to Matthew chapter 5, and we're going to go there again tonight. And we saw that the first thing out of his mouth, when he opened his mouth and he taught them, saying, blessed. And what we saw before we we began to define blessed, and we wanted to differentiate what the world thinks blessed is, because blessed is a condition. It's a state. It's not stuff. It's not things. It's not the benefit. Like I said the the other time, a lot of people confused. You know, the benefits of being in that condition of being the actual condition. And that can pull you off too. It's not it's not stuff, it's not things, it's a condition. It's the state of the believer. It's amazing when he's saying these words though, because these people the state of the believer nowadays is the spirit is poured out upon us. But it wasn't it wasn't but that's why I say <laughs> Uh, God is before time, he's after time, he's in time, he's the creator of time, because he's speaking to us. Even right thing. I believe he smirked to himself like, I, I can't wait till they teach on the, the Beatitudes, and in, in I believe he did, because he was talking to us. The blessed are those that are indwelt by the Spirit. See, indwelt by the Spirit when you allow Him to govern you and move you every step, that's when you have peace. That's when you're well off on the highest level. That's when you're satisfied. That's true satisfaction. That's when you're complete. That's when you have nothing missing. And, and, I, and I love how that complete comes in. I want to reiterate this, right? It's not like... Oh, well, I'm merciful. I've obtained it. No, 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 no. Uh, You have to be pure in heart too. You have to hunger and thirst for righteousness. If you look at the end of all these things, they're really all saying the same thing. The merciful will obtain mercy. The pure in heart will see God. The peacemakers, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. He's telling you, you have to endure through all of these things. Because guess what? Obtaining mercy is being in the kingdom of God. Uh, you're not going to get to see God's... Un- you're not going to get to see His mercy fulfilled in Christ until you until you go on to be with the Lord. That's the fulfillment. That's the end of your salvation. So all these things are what describe the believer. I love how Minister Martin said they first are description, then they're prescription. So now you can see as we go through these things one by one... This needs to be prescribed to this area of my life and that area of my life because this is describing who I'm supposed to be in the kingdom of God. And let me tell you this. Everything that Jesus described here, he was just describing who he was, who he is. That's what makes us satisfied. Being in Christ. Being indwelt by the Spirit. And again, I I love going to these again. I I know I have to get to a place tonight, but when I come here, I just, I I got to go back. But I love going to these things again because these Beatitudes deal with the moralities of man. The legalisms of man. You know, the realism, if you will. And and when when man gets to talking and they get their outside appearance of what they think is is good or or what's moral or what's acceptable in their eyes, they tend to forget the realities of the scripture. What God said. Listen, remember who opened his mouth and talked. That's why all the Pharisees really needed to take a back seat. There were some things that were missing. He didn't just say these things because uh, if they were. If they were listening well enough, they could see that's his mercy towards you, Pharisees. Being legal. I've come to a point, right? Being legal or moral, that's just, to me, you're just not convinced. Your mind's not made up. you haven't truly made that choice yet you're still flirting with it while right now is the dispensation of mercy but then you have warnings all over the Bible but life is but a vapor vapor. now is the time but trusting in the legalities of man see Jesus was ready to get them out of it Listen, I don't care what y'all are saying, leaders of the church today. I'm going to speak the truth. Blessed are the merciful. Satisfied are the merciful. For they shall obtain mercy. Not these ones. See, I'm telling you, he's saying these things because this is what he saw in the church. This is what was going on. There were people, there were leaders that were in the church and they weren't being merciful. They weren't showing God's forgiveness. You know, the forgiveness that he sent from the foundation of the earth. Listen, he, Jesus, forgiveness was right there in front of them and they didn't want to hear it. He was preaching the kingdom of heaven. Repent. Here is your grace and mercy here. This is what you need. Because he was talking to the believers of that day. So we went into the first one again. Mine was... Verse 7 was my first one. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. And again, before I continue here, I wanted to reiterate what my objective was. The the importance and objective of this teaching in Matthew 5 and forward is to show the believer who they are and how to progress in Christ. It's simple. To show them who they are and how to to progress with Christ. we're, we're, We're not talking about being stagnant. We're not talking about having the outward appearance of doing what you're supposed to do. We're talking about moving forward with Christ. We're not talking about having any eye service. We're not having a, talking about having people look at you and see you and do what you want to do. We're talking about letting God see you. Letting God see your heart. That's, what really, that's really all that matters. Letting Him work it out inside you. So we said, that what, what, what is mercy? I said that mercy is unmerited compassion and devotion that responds to and meets one's needs. Even though the one that we offended against has the right to punish us, and it's within their power. That's what we need to understand about mercy. i got to say it again. God has every right to. With the sin we had, we were old wrath. But his characteristic of love said, wait. Because I've sent mercy and forgiveness from the foundation of the world. He's not willing that any be lost. He's willing to forgive all. And so we said that being merciful is rooted in forgiveness, being able to make forgiveness. And we talked about the forgiveness of the Lord, how his forgiveness, it makes room for our failures. Room for our flaws. Why? Because when he forgives us, through through forgiveness Christ has given us, it straightens straightens us out with him. It allows us to walk with him. But he makes room, and I gave the the illustration of the drumsticks that that I had as well. The thing about it is, they, they made a drumstick so that I could line up the way I play, but at the same time not hurt myself anymore. And it was up to me when I chose, you know what, I'm, not gonna, I'm good now, I'm not going to play with that no more. You know what that comes to me? That's called, you need to renew your mind. When you feel like, oh, I've got it, I don't need to go back to it, it's time to refresh again. It's amazing to me as I, as I continue in the scriptures and study, especially this, this subject here, I just see that the Bible is, it's a book of repetition. Nothing changes, it's all about the goodness of the Lord. It's all about his faithfulness. It's all about, it's all about his forgiveness to you. His mercy to you. You think about the children of Israel. They were in and out with God. And it, it seems like his mercy was unyielding. His forgiveness because he kept forgiving. Them. He kept forgiving. Them. But he had a plan. For their redemption. For their total redemption. And then he said, not only that, like I said, I'm going to pour out my spirit on you. So that you'll, you'll have the ability to walk perfect in your generations. To walk with God. To be in relationship with God. That's what forgiveness is. Forgiveness is relational because it takes two. It takes the forgiver and it takes the forgiving. And that's what God said. He said, you know what? I'm going to give you forgiveness. You know why? Because I desire a relationship with you. I desire restoration. I desire us to be restored to what we were before. That's forgiveness. And a lot of us walk around here with this unforgiving heart, unmerciful heart, forgetting, listen, forgetting where we've come from, forgetting the mercy that God has shown us. So once you forget that, how can you look forward to what mercies you need? Judging people. Uh, By your standards. You're not not judging the sin by the word, you're judging people. Oh, they do this, they do that, I can't talk to them. I can't minister to them. They did this to me, they did that to me. So Look, so busy, caught up with yourself, not realizing that God has so much more. There's so much more that He desires from you out of mercy. He's just not, re- He's just not desiring for you to, to wait till somebody sins against you and then you say, I forget, here's my mercy. No. He's called the believer to something higher. That's why He gives you the Spirit. You, listen, He gives you the Spirit because you're supposed to be able to sense, listen, this person here, that they're in need of something. And, and because I've been merciful... I'm in position to, listen, because I've allowed His righteousness to work peace in me, I'm in position to give mercy so that, that the, the righteousness of Christ in me can work peace in someone else. But we're so concerned with ourselves. Oh, I ain't got time to do this. I, I'm caught up with that. Maybe I, you know, I'll check this, I'll do this, I'll do that. Life is better vapor and all these other things that we're putting in, in, in place of God before God before what he wants for us you know being merciful so that we obtain mercy because we haven't, we haven't obtained that's a problem if you think you've obtained there's a problem all I can say is if you think you've obtained mercy you must be ignoring conviction because I'm, I'm going to tell you right now since the day that I received salvation, if I could count how many times that I've fallen and received mercy? Seventy times seven. You know, don't try to count that out. He's saying, forgive them if they come with with, with the right heart of repentance. But in order to do these things, we have to put off the old man. Those old ways of anger, malice, wrath, clamor, all those things we saw in Ephesians. He says, put those off. Be kind, tenderhearted, forgiving. Just as as God, for Christ's sake, has forgiven you. See, these are things we have to keep in our hearts, keep in our minds. God has forgiven me. And by His forgiveness, I've seen hope. And that sparks in me the want to see hope in other people. But as I said before, without mercy, there is no hope. If there was no mercy for, for, the, for the wrath that we deserve, for the sin, that, the sin that we were in, there'd be no hope for us. Damn to hell. There's a, a place in the Bible where Jesus, or, or, where the word refers to uh, fallen angels. They have ch- uh, shackles of judgment, I believe, or shackles, I forget what it's called. But you know what that means? That means there's no saving them. That means that judgment is done. But he's given us mercy. I'm so, see, I'm so glad that that's how he's dealt with us. Mercifully. With forgiveness. Listen, with thoughts of our tomorrow. So he, he gives us things for today. Like I said last time, store up your mercies for tomorrow. Don't ever think that you're above or beyond a certain thing. Especially teachings. Uh, especially this beatitude teaching has been taught over and over again in the church. Listen, like I said, it's repetition. If we, we don't have to go here to talk about being pure in heart, to talk about his righteousness. The Bible talks about it front to back. we have to remember that forgiveness from God has no limits. His mercy has no limits. Not like the limits that we can put on Him. He has no limits. That's why our forgiveness flows from the attitude I'm unwilling to hold anything against you that you did to me. Because if you hold something against them listen I'm just it's so funny to me when people are you know you think about certain things I, I think about things that happened to me back sometimes in high school and college. Certain people that I got into it with. And there were certain things, certain people sometimes that I was, I didn't let things go. And now I was years later. And I'm thinking to myself, man, if I see this person, this is what I want, to, I want to say to him. This is what I want to do. This person, they may have gone on with their life. They may not even be alive anymore, but they are. But they may have gone on, they may have accepted Christ. They may have stepped into the family. Listen, what if they did that and both, and, and you've never solved that issue and both of you end up in heaven? You finna start it off? You finna get it popping in heaven? See, there's some things that you gotta work out on the inside. Being unforgiving, but, but, listen, that doesn't hold the, the the person to sin against you, has, it holds you in a place. It keeps you stagnant. Where God's like, well, yeah... I, but I need you to show my mercy, but you, you're not even showing mercy. Listen, the whole basis of this gospel, forgiveness and mercy, you don't even know how to show it, so how can I use you? That's why I said Jesus is usually talking to the one who's been offended against. Because I'm telling you, I believe he said that because nine times out of ten, they're the ones who end up not being not in the kingdom. You might even make yourself unapproachable. Maybe this person wants to approach you and ask for forgiveness and apologize. But you might not even be approachable. Because you deal out of wrath or malice or anger. Something that you stored up resentment toward another individual. That is supposed to, look, like I said, they could be in the body of Christ. Now that's supposed to be your brother. That's supposed to be a sister. And what did Christ say? What you've done unto my brother, you've done unto me. We can't choose who we think deserves kindness or forgiveness or mercy. God has sent it to everyone. Already. We have to operate out of his mercy. We have to be the merciful. Now, now, when I say merciful, I want to get this straight. Being merciful doesn't mean that you take sin lightly. Uh, Your sin or anybody else's sin. Because that's not being merciful. Allowing somebody to sit in their sin and think that they're getting away with it, that's that's not being merciful. That's a helping hand down the wrong path. True mercy comes from a heart pricked by the knowledge of Christ. See, you know what Christ has done for you, that you can't let yourself or anybody else sit and stay in that sin. That's what the merciful do. Uh, like I said before, the merciful, they're attracted to the ones that are in distress. See, this is how you can, you put yourself on a test. The ones that you're like, oh, they're so unkind, they are so unlo- Ooh, they're so unlovable, they're un-. put yourself to the test. But that's, who, that's, that's who the merciful are. How is that? Because that's the heart of our God. He could have been that way about each and every one of us. So we just have to look at, listen, no matter how difficult the situation seems or how hard it is for us to be forgiven and merciful, we just have to look at it as another opportunity. For him to work his righteousness, for for righteousness to work his peace in us through mercy. We've got to remain humble. Another characteristic of mercy, we have to keep our hearts turned toward him. So I'm going to go ahead and move forward here because we've got some places we have to be. So we're going to go ahead and go to Matthew 5, verse 8. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Satisfied are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. I said this last week, and I had to start off right here. When you're talking about pure in heart, you can tell from the jump, it's talking about the inner man. He's talking about the inner heart. He's it, talking about working that out. That's what God is pleased with. It's never the outer appearance. Like I said before, that, that's, that's why he pricks, that's why, that's why it comes from a heart prick for the knowledge of Christ because he works from the inside out so he makes sure that the change is permanent. That's his love for you. He's coming after you. I want it permanent. I want your mind made up. I want you convinced. Not against your own will. I want you convinced. Uh, listen, I'm not trying to... His wep- the weapons of his war uh, uh, is not carnal. He's not trying to force you. It's by peace. It's by mercy. It's by forgiveness. I I, I love how all of these, the beatitudes, they flow together. Because you won't be merciful if you're not pure in heart. And listen, the way that I just did that one from that one, you could do that from the beginning on down. You won't be the poor in spirit if you're not mourning after. You could do that. all. These work together. Like I said, this is the believer. It's not, I need to be this and that and I can pick. No, no, no. We're not cherry picking. You need it all. Because all of this is the goodness of the Lord. So he wants to change permanently. On the inner man, from the inside out. Not the outward appearance. You know, that outward appearance thing is like I'll use this this watch. Let's say it was a toy watch. And this is this is just my little workout watch. This is not my big watch. But it's like putting a it's like having a box for a Cartier watch and putting something in it. Like this, or a toy watch and giving it to somebody. they, they listen, they're excited. You promising them something, but it's just the outward appearance. It's not the real McCoy. It's a fake. It's a phony. It's a fraud. And God's trying to make sure that we're not doing that because life is but a vapor. And the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So repent while you have time. That's that's why I love the pure in heart that's and I said repent while you have time. That's the place where your heart needs to be. Where you were at that point where you were convinced. Like I said, when your heart was pricked by the knowledge of Christ, that's where you need to make sure that you maintain your heart. And that takes work. It's just like anything. You should be able to see as anything as good as now in the pandemic, things that you haven't that you started at the beginning that you haven't kept up with, they've fallen off. It wasn't essential. It's fallen off. You have to keep up with these things. You have to maintain these things. The heart of repentance will keep you as a believer grounded and established so that you're not moved from the faith. You have to remember that all of our experiences of God were launched from repentance. There was no experience with Him before that. They're launched from a heart-pricked with the knowledge of Christ. And realize, look, I'm, I'm a wretch undone. I'm convinced. My mind is made up. That I was wrong. And I was against you. And I was hostile against you. I had no peace. So you have to recognize these things about yourself. Far from pure. Far from being merciful. No peace in my life. And so last week I gave, a, I gave a definition to repent. And I said, it's to have your heart grieve or mourn so much that I'm ready to change my mind about sin. It's to desire clean hands and a pure heart. Now I didn't go here last, last week, but I have to when talking about desiring clean hands. Longing for cleanness. So we are going to go to Psalm 51. That time is moving. God is good. Psalm 51. And I'm just going to start at verse 7. And this is David. And I want you to know, this is, David is God's man. Listen, for all intents and purposes, David's a believer. He is a believer in God. But just like the people of Israel, just like, just like us, he's fallen. And as soon as his heart was pricked, somebody reminded him. And let's look what he says. We're going to start at verse. I said verse seven. He said, "Purge me with the, with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, I shall be whiter than snow. Make me to hear joy and gladness, that the bones which thou hast broken may rejoice. I thy face from my sins and blot out all mine iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a, a right spirit within me." Cast me not away from thy presence, and take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation, and uphold me with thy free spirit. Jump down to verse 16. It says, For thou desirest not sacrifice, else would I give it. Thou delightest not in burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart. O God, thou wilt not despise. See, that's the thing about a pure heart. You have to realize that from the jump. To to have a pure heart, you have to realize that before God, my heart was broken. And only he can mend it. And and since he has begun my healing, every time I've fallen, it brought me right back there. Oh, my heart was broken. And only he can mend it. Just like David, when he said, oh, oh, purge me with the hyssop. My heart was broken, and only he can mend it. Return me to the joy of thy salvation. While we're in Psalms, let's go turn back to Psalm twenty four. We went here last week, but I have to I have to go there again. Psalm twenty four, verse one through six, and it says The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and they that dwell therein. For he hath founded it upon the seas And established it upon the floods Who shall ascend into the hill of the Lord Or who shall stand in his holy place He that hath clean hands And a pure heart Who hath not lifted up his soul unto vanity Nor sworn deceitfully He shall receive the blessing from the Lord And righteousness from the God of his salvation This is the generation of them That seek him That seek thy face O Jacob He said who will see God that's that, that's that question there. Who will ascend to the hill of the Lord or who shall stand in this holy place? The pure in heart. Those with clean hands and a pure heart. Who keeps their heart right there at that place. Our heart was broken and only he can mend it. See, and, 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 and this is where your mind should go when you get to that place and you fallen again. My heart's broken because I've sinned against God. And only He can forgive me and restore that relationship. That's the attitude that should last us a lifetime. We have to remain pure in heart so that we can see God. And what did we say last time? What is pure? Pure means it's not mixed. It's uncontaminated. It's undivided. Not mixed with what? With sin. And then we gave a definition last time, and I'm going to give it again. The pure in heart. The pure in heart are those who are inwardly clean from sin through faith in Jesus. It's one that has a continual acknowledging of their past sinful condition which causes a continual appetite for righteousness. I'll say that one more time. Those who are inwardly clean from sin through faith in Jesus. One that has a continual acknowledging of their past sinful condition, which causes a continual appetite for righteousness. See, there is there's real purity in the heart of a believer. But see, it's mixed. So, so here's what it should be in the, in the heart of a believer. It should be, I long for a pure heart. But that's not just it. I, I hate the impure heart. That's the other half of it. Because many people want and long to do what's right in their heart. But the, like I said before, they're not convinced of their old way. Are not the right way. They're not convinced that the old ways are impure, or they made a legal argument that it's not, or moral arguments that this is not. This is not that impure. See, it's two sided. Listen, you have to be. You have to have your mind made up that I need a pure heart. Then you have to have your mind made up that an impure heart I hate. And again, like I was trying to get the point across, it's not that you won't make mistakes and you won't fall. But a pure heart means I have an undivided heart. Uh, It means I have a heart that's cleansed or purged. And we're going to get into those two things, an undivided heart and a heart that's cleansed or purged. Turn with me, if you will, to 1 Kings. We are going to talk about a little bit about Elijah today, a little bit about Jezebel and Ahab. Let's go to First Kings chapter sixteen. And the reason I'm starting at sixteen here is so I want to give you a little background on Jezebel and Ahab in case you didn't know, which I'm sure we all have heard about Jezebel and Ahab. But I want to still give you a background here. So this is the time. In Israel, and, and I had to do some, some extensive studies on this as well because not all of this is mentioned in the Bible. But this is a time in Israel where the nation of Israel was torn in kind of two there was the south part of the nation, which was known as Judah, and then there's the north part, which was Phoenicia. Now, Jezebel was from this Phoenicia. Okay? And I want you to understand some things about Phoenicia, right? Phoenicia was the total opposite of Judah. See, Judah was the place where they worshipped the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. They were that's, Judah is that place. Phoenicia was a cosmopolitan place. Lots of people there. Hey, lots of religious diversity. Sounds like America. That's what it was like. <laughs> that's that's where she was from. Not only that, but Jezebel was. She had a rep. Okay, and we're gonna read about her, but she had a rep for for murder, promiscuity, iniquity. she she's the one who brought forth these false idols into the children of Israel. So let me give y'all a little bit of a backstory here. We're going to read first kings sixteen verse twenty nine through thirty three and then we'll move forward in first kings. And it says in in thirty, I'm sorry, and in the thirty and eighth year, of Asa king of Judah began Ahab the son of Omri to reign over Israel and Ahab the son of Omri reigned over Israel in Samaria twenty and two years so I want y'all to see right there we're talking about Ahab and you see where he's in he's in Judah he's in the south where listen he's where we worship the God of Abraham and Isaac I want you to understand that now and mind you from the north from Phoenicia this is we're going we're to read about Jezebel and Ahab the son of Omri did evil in the sight of the Lord Above all that were before him. So he was already evil. His heart was already... Listen, I want you to understand something about the kings of Israel. These people knew, knew what the word was. It wasn't like they didn't know. It wasn't like we're going to put some king in and now we have to tell them about our whole history and where we've come from and who the God of our, of our fathers. No, they knew it more than most. But it says he was evil in his heart already. Verse, let's see, 30 again. And Ahab, the son of Army did evil in the sight of the Lord above all that were before him. And it came to pass as if it had been a light thing for him to walk in the sins of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, that he took to wife Jezebel, the daughter of Itzabal, king of the Zidonians, and went and served Baal and worshipped him. And he reared up an altar for Baal in the house of Baal, which he had built in Samaria. And they have made a grove, and they have did more to provoke the Lord God of Israel to anger than all the kings of Israel that were before him. So there it was. They told you right there, he married Jezebel. we're going to talk a little bit, we're going to read a little bit more about Jezebel. And he did evil in the sight of the Lord. So again, I want you to remember these things about the Phoenicians. Right? Because we're going to bring this into us. I want you to remember the things that they offer. Because the things nowadays, you, you, you hear things like, oh, religious diversity is a lot of people that's a good place to go. That's a good place to be. That's a good people to be yoked with or unequally yoked with. The total opposites of them. That's basically what they were. The Phoenicians and the ones in the the Israelites and Judah, they were were polar opposites. That's why when Jezebel got there, she introduced them to foreign gods, foreign idols. So let's see what happens. Let's turn over to chapter 18. And I'm going to start at verse 17. But I really have to give a little more backstory from just starting there. So, you know, Elijah, you know, gave the word of the Lord that there would be no rain. And... At the beginning of chapter 18, Obadiah, who worked under King Ahab, was with King Ahab, and King Ahab said, "We're going to go out. We're going to try to find water. We're going to try to find grass for the for the oxen, the sheep, and store up during all this land and uh, during all this time of famine and this time of uh, of drought, uh, no rain, and things like that." And so he said, "Okay, we're going to go out. We're going to look at it." And then as Obadiah went out, and I, I want to let you know something about Obadiah. He served the Lord. See, that's the that's the thing about it, because when Jezebel came in and she introduced these false idols, she began to kill the prophets of the Lord. She said, "We're not going to have none of that." But see, that's the thing about God; He always leaves a remnant. Because I just have to read this, because this is—you know—this may be off the off the subject, but this is, blessed me. In 18 and 4, it says. And Ahab called, oh, I'm sorry, three. And Ahab called Obadiah, which was the governor of his house. Now, Obadiah feared the Lord greatly. They had to put that in parentheses. Check this out Obadiah feared the Lord greatly. For it was so, when Jezebel cut off the prophets of the Lord, that Obadiah took a hundred prophets and hid them by fifty in a cave and fed them with bread and water. So I want you to remember that. So here we are over now. And, uh, well, I'm going to give you a little backstory in the end part of 18. So Obadiah is out doing what the king told him to do. Look for things, gather things that are going on in the rain and the famine. And then he comes across Elijah. Now at this time, they want Elijah's life. Especially Jezebel. Especially the king. They're looking for him. And so Elijah tells him, you know, hey, I want to see the king. Take me to see Ahab. But let Ahab know I'm here. Obadiah, at the back, off the muscle, if you read it and you can read it on your own time, Obadiah was like, you're trying to get me killed. Because what you're going to do is, you're going to tell him to come get me and then you're going to run off. And when he comes back and finds you not here, the king going to put me to death. And Elijah, you know, being a man of God, said, no, go get him. I'm going to meet with him today. And so I'm going to start here, chapter 18, verse 17. And it came to pass, when Ahab saw Elijah, and Ahab said unto him, Art thou he that troubleth Israel? And he answered, I have not troubled Israel, but thou, in thy father's house, and that ye have forsaken the commandments of the Lord, and thou hast followed Balaam. Now therefore, send and gather me all Israel unto Mount Carmel, and the prophets of Baal, four hundred and fifty, and the prophets of the groves, four hundred which eat at Jezebel's table. So Ahab sent unto all the children of Israel and gathered the prophets together unto Carmel. So, I just want you to understand the predicament that Elijah's in right here. That 150 that Obadiah put in the cave, they're not there with him. He's by himself. He's in front of the king and saying, go get the people of Israel. You know, the ones that are, the the ones that God has, uh, he's going to extend mercy again because they have fallen away. Go get the people of Israel. Go get all the, the, the priests of Baal. Go get all the groves. Get all of them. And it's going to be all of y'all and it's going, to be me. it's going to be me. But it's not just him. Because Elijah has the spirit of the Lord with him. So it's not just him. So he sends him and he goes and gets him. And then verse 21. And we're going to stop here for a little bit at 21. But we are going to keep going. And it says, And Elijah came unto all the people and said, How long how ye between two opinions? If the Lord God, if the Lord be God, follow Him. But if Baal, then follow Him. And the people answered him not a word. So this question that he that he posed to him, you know, how long will ye hop between two opinions? Or how long are you going to go on limping between two opinions? Or how long are you going to be a lukewarm believer? Or How long are you going to serve two masters? How long for us today are you going to try to embrace Christ and the world at the same time? How long will you continue toying with the same sins? See, because like I said, Israel was up and down with God. And God knew this So God's man at that time said it. How long are you gonna how long are you gonna flirt with sin? Never giving yourself to either one of them wholly. Not 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 giving yourself to Christ fully, not giving yourself but let me tell you something. Christ wants either all or nothing. You feel like you're splitting yourself two ways, but really you you have none of Christ. Draw not to God, and he'll draw, draw nigh to you. See, that, that's the thing. That, that, that's what he said here back in verse. What's that? Verse 21. He said, If the Lord be God, follow him. Draw not to God. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify ye hearts, ye double minded. You have two opinions. So, I'm going to summarize what happened up to verse 36 and we're going to skip to 36. But, suffice it to say, all those people came. He's talking to the people of Israel. And they didn't say nothing. And so this is what Elijah said. We're going to see who, who's God, you know, little g for them. Idol is what I like to call them. Who's God and who's not. So he built up an altar. Well, first off, let me just tell you. I'm going to read a little bit of it. Because it's so amazing to me. Let's look at the sacrifice of Baal's prophets. Let's, let's read a little bit of verse 25. And it says, And Elijah said unto the prophets, of Baal, choose you one bullock for yourselves and dress it first for ye are many and call on the name of your gods but put no fire under remember there's many of them 450 plus of each remember there's a bunch of y'all all of y'all calling forth the name of your gods and they took the bullock which was given them and they dressed it and called on the name of Baal from morning evening until noon saying O Baal hear us but there was no voice nor any that answered. And they leaped unto the altar which was made. And it came to pass at noon that Elijah mocked them and said, Cry aloud, for he is a God. Either he's talking or pursuing or he's in a journey or per adventure he's asleep, he must be awake. He's, Listen, the reason Elijah can be like that is because he has the Spirit of God with him. Understand that. And they cried aloud and cut themselves after their manner with knives and lancets till the blood gushed out upon them. See, that's what I wanted to get to. You know, it's amazing to me that he had to go back to the children of Israel who knew the Lord God. And then in front of them, they're they're waiting to see some sort of spectacle happen. They're watching these people cut themselves, do all types of things, and this was the type of worship that they were involved with now. Because remember, Jezebel killed off the prophets. Jezebel ushered in Baal, and they were following in line. And when Elijah... Challenge them. Nobody said a thing. It's amazing the little things that, the, the you know, the small foxes. At this point it wasn't a small fox, but bring that into today. We don't realize that, you know, the Jezebels of our lives, how they pull us off. Because we think, oh, but, you know, uh, uh. Being religiously diverse, or whatever it may be for you, is not bad. I can go, and they pulled you off, and you start inflicting pain on yourself. Worshiping like they worship, doing the things they do, and you wonder why aren't things going right for me? They didn't look. They did this all day long. No response. Started hurting, cutting themselves, blood gushing out. Being deceived. You know why you can be deceived? Because you have a divided heart. You're double-minded. You don't have your full trust in God. So it's easy to be deceived. With pretty sounding words and things that sound morally right. It's easy to be deceived. But blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. And it came to verse twenty nine, and it came to pass when midday was past, that they prophesied until the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice, that there was neither voice nor any answer to nor any that regarded. And I want to tell you that's the condition of those who don't have a pure heart. See, you can't just come out and call upon God, not the God of not not my God (laughs) without a pure heart and expect a response and the funny part about it is he's the only one that real responds you can see here they were calling on this false idol They're, they were never going to get a response they weren't they were worshipping this idol because he's been good or because he's brought something to them they are worshipping him because they were allowing them to be in their sin Allowing them to get rid of the things that they wanted to do. Verse 36. And it came to pass at the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice that Elijah the prophet came near and said, "Lord, God of Abraham and I, Abraham, Isaac and of Israel." He's talking about the people there. You're still the God of Israel. Let it be known this day that thou art God in Israel, and that I am thy servant, and that I have done all these things at thy word. See, see that's the, the pure of heart are motivated by his word. All the things that I do, listen, the pure in heart can say, yeah, that's 450 plus there, but God's word said to do this. Verse 37, hear me, O Lord, hear me that this people may know that thou art the Lord God and that thou hast turned their heart back again. See, he he wanted to say, bring their heart back to that place where I'm broken and only he can mend me. Then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt sacrifice and the wood and the stones and the dust and licked up the water that was in the trench and when all the people saw it they fell on their faces and they said the Lord he is the God the Lord he is the God and Elijah said unto them take the prophets of Baal don't let one of them escape and they took them and Elijah brought them down to the brook Kishon and slew them there See, this is what I was talking about as well. We're talking about a divided heart, but we're also talking about a heart that's purged. A heart that's clean. See, what once their heart was turned back, you know what he said, do Now get rid of them. He said, kill that. Mortify that because, listen, you're going to get brought. If you don't, if you entertain it, you're going to get brought right back to where you were before. He said, take them out and get rid of them. And let me tell you something. That's the commandment of the Lord. He wasn't just saying that. That was what the Lord commanded them to do. Get rid of them. Purge yourself from them. Them 450 plus prophets. The ones that say, doing this is right. Worshiping this way is right. Going against God. Listen, not having a, using morality and using legal, legalism to justify their righteousness or what they think is righteousness. <laughs> justify their sin. There you go. So purging or or killing them like he says here you know what that means? that means I have to forget what lies behind I have to keep my eyes toward the prize the mark I have to keep my hands listen I have to hope because he's called us to the kingdom of heaven he's called us to be the salt of the earth. Not, listen, not looking back and, for, and, and wanting what was behind us. Listen, the salt of the earth. Not a pillar of salt like Lot's wife. Not looking back and regretting. Not Listen, true repentance. That's the heart that it has to be at. When he says, when Jesus says, blessed are the pure in heart, he says, blessed are those whose heart are undivided. Who have the single eye, whose mind are made up. That's pure of heart. See, because when the heart is undivided, God is never left out. As a matter of fact, God is first. You run everything around your life, around the center, Jesus. Everything flows from there when your heart's not divided see when it's divided you have you have the word and then you have whatever it is and then you say uh, sometimes I gotta go here cause I feel that I can get a better decision here why? because it benefits what I want and not what God wants for me when God wants you your heart to be uncontaminated you see he can see cause listen let me tell you about sin. It can get through the the smallest cracks, the smallest crevices, and God can see it. You can't. So this one this one takes real self examination. This will show you who or what your faith is truly in. Because faith will have to stand the trial of fire and if you remain standing in that trial then the purity of his holiness will be there with you but it's all about having your faith in Christ uh, though though you have not seen him you love him and even though you don't see him now you believe and are filled with inexpressible joy. See, He is an invisible God to us now. But He also fills us with His Spirit. And, and that's what's so beautiful about it. He fills us with His Spirit so that we can... Pu- he makes us pure in heart, and fills us with His Spirit so that we can see God. Right now. Right now. by faith in Christ. This is where the purging and cleaning comes in. And I want to get to it tonight so bad, but I'm out of time. But we have to remember that the Word of God is quick. Powerful sharper than any two-edged sword. It can divide from what's pure and holy and what's merely just soulish. Carnal. Fleshly. It's the discerner of the thoughts and the intent of the heart. The word of God is. That's why I started off with that last week telling y'all about my computer. But the word of God is quick. See, it's not going to do anything on a computer that I can no longer access. But with my whole heart have I sought thee. Let me not wander from thy commandments. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against you. That's pure in heart. I don't want to be divided. I don't want to be contaminated with sin. Your word will give me the intent of my heart. Uh, My concern is not sinning against you. I'm not concerned with what other people say, not what other people think. And like I said, it's an everyday thing. If you're so concerned with that. It takes cleansing. Ooh, I want to keep going, but we are finished. We're out of time. This has been a teaching message from Church of the Living Water at Austin. For more information about our ministry, please go to our website. Livy